0: Morning. We're so glad that you have joined us for worship this morning here at Central Baptist Church. Whether this is your first time here with us or whether you've called this place home for decades, we want you to know that your presence here is a blessing to us, and we're so glad that you have joined us this morning. You'll find in the pews uh, some visitor's cards. If you'd like to know more about Central, we'd invite you to take one of those out and fill it out with uh, any information that you'd like to provide. We send out a weekly Uh, newsletter we promise we won't spam you and uh, and we will uh, provide some information and let you know a little bit more about what's going on at central also you can always find out more at the sign-up table out in the foyer Um, as you're leaving today we invite you to do that as well if you've got any questions or there's anything we can help out with Uh, this uh this past week we had our writers workshop and i'm always thrilled to get together to meet with our writers and to find out what people are working on. We always, uh, it's amazing how many different ways uh, folks can take a prompt or a story and we can go in different directions. One of the things that somebody mentioned this week was um, how his life and his journey, he saw intertwining with uh, the journeys of so many others, uh, ancestors who'd gone before, and then you think about how those journeys have all intertwined into the journeys of, of states and of countries and of hemispheres and of the world over time and of humanity as well, uh, and it's an interesting thing to think about how our little thread, our little journey can be a part of this larger tapestry of life. And so uh, this weekend, as we celebrate the life and legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, this feels more and more um, imperative uh, to think about as we think about how our threads and our journeys weave together with those around us and how those make a difference in, uh, in the community and in the life of our world and in the life of humanity. And we think again, at those beautiful words about how the arc of history can bend towards justice. And we uh, pray and hope that our lives can be part of that too, that bending uh, of of history toward justice. So let's worship together this morning.
1: Good morning. Stand as you're able for the call to worship. Oh God, you called us by name to come, and we respond with delight and gladness. In joyful obedience, we come to worship our God. Rising out of the depths of despair, we gratefully gather for worship. In joyful hope, we come to worship our living God. Our God has given us a new song of praise. We seek rescue and renewal. In joyful trust, we come to worship our God. Amen. Join me in prayer, please. O oh God, you spoke your word and revealed your good news in Jesus the Christ. Fill all creation with that word again, so that by proclaiming your joyful promises to all nations and singing of your glorious hope to all peoples, we may become one living body, your incarnate presence on the earth. Amen. And now if you would greet your neighbor and pass the piece. Thank you.
2: I invite you now to join me in our spiritual practice with our litany in your bulletin. When all was darkness, God created light and called it good. The people who once lived in darkness have been given a great light. Christ be our light. Shine in the darkness. You'll remember last week we began a time of instruction as we prepare ourselves for the season of Lent where we seek to build our inner lives before God and having a few moments to talk about spiritual practices. Last week we talked about focused breathing, and I hope you have found some time this week to allow that gift. To be something that you have also tried to develop into your own experience. Today, we have a, another instruction that joins perfectly with focus breathing, and that's a vow of silence. Now, in order for you to start thinking about taking a vow of silence, I want you to flashback for a moment to the first job you had where someone took accounting of your time, a job where you had to clock in and clock out. Do you remember your first job where you had a time clock and a time sheet and were paid by the hour? Some of you still may have that kind of job. My first job doing that was at what was called then MRS Foodtown on Southland Drive. Anybody here old enough to remember the green smock baggers at MRS Food Town? Well, I hope you tipped well because I was one of those. And as we think about spiritual disciplines, we have to begin to allow for space of the intentionality of using our time that in order for us to develop this inner life to give us greater stability with the difficulties that are in our world, we must clock in and clock out. We must have a schedule time where we seek to allow the goodness and grace and presence of God to fill our inner being. And if you were practicing focused breathing this week, I would add to that for this coming week a time where you might clock in maybe just for five minutes and take a vow of silence. Now often when we take this vow of silence or hear about it we might believe that means that we refrain from speaking and we have imaginations or maybe even experience with monastic communities where for a period of time those who live together in community refuse to speak to each other out of honoring silence. But in our modern world of increasing distractions and noise, I would invite you to take a vow of silence as a way of disengaging from all the noise that's in our world. That you might put your cell phone in another room, or if you're attached to your cell phone by your wrist, You might find this an opportune time to charge your watch. Or perhaps if you're in a busy household, it may mean clocking in early in the morning before other people arise or late at night after others have gone to bed. But I want to encourage you this week to find five minutes, five minutes of each day to take a vow of silence. To simply sit in the embrace and warmth of the grace of God that is known in the quiet. A time for you to disengage. A time for you to not have your mind be stimulated. A time for you to have one of the most important gifts that we ever experience in life and have forgotten so much. And that is the gift of boredom of not doing anything, of not being busy with anything. That traffic flows best, not when everyone's going fast, but when there's space. And when you create space around you. For some who live alone, you may feel like, all I do is live in silence. But for you, also, there is the invitation to allow your silence to be structured as a holy moment of sacredness where you take off your shoes because you are in the presence of God. Five minutes. Five minutes where you clock in and clock out. Five minutes where you allow your mind some space, your soul some room to grow. Five minutes where you're not busy doing something, thinking about something, worrying about something. Focused breathing will help discipline that time for you. But can't you say we all need a little more time? And it's five minutes too much to give for God. So, I'm going to give you 90 seconds. 90 seconds to begin today. A vow of silence. Amen. Our
3: Hebrew scriptures this morning come from the 40th Psalm. I waited patiently for the Lord who inclined to me and heard my cry. The Lord drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. A new song was put in my mouth, a song of praise for our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell of them, they would be more than can be counted sacrifice and offering you do not desire but you have given me an open ear burnt offering and sin offering you have not required and then i said here i am in the scroll of the book it is written of me i will delight to do your will O my god your law is within my heart i have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation See, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Do not, O Lord, withhold your mercy from me. Let your steadfast love and faithfulness keep me safe forever. Thank
4: Pray, please. Dear God, I have to look no further than myself to realize how amazing your grace is. I pray, God, that you will keep me from ever hindering the possibilities of your grace, the possibilities of who all's loved, that who all deserves to be in the kingdom because in your grace we all deserve it. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for being a part of what makes us who we are and lets us become more than we are. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please be seated.
2: Here now the Christian witness found today in Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 beginning in verse 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By God, you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, for the word of God that works its way into us. Many years ago, I was performing an outside wedding at Headley Whitney Museum on Old Frankfurt Pike. It was an early August evening, and the whole world was proud of its full summer maturity. Everything was just perfect. It was beautiful. The leaves on the tree abundant, the sun shining through, brightening the whole atmosphere. And during the ceremony, At that special moment of reciting the vows, I noticed a large insect, which on further research later, I believe was a wheel bug or an assassin bug that with fully twitching antenna had to be somewhere between four and five inches long. And it was crawling up the bride's dress. over the chest, making its way to the shoulders and neck. I knew if he got close enough, he would have been the worst kind of wedding crasher ever known, an assassin bug that could kill a wedding ceremony like that. Something needed to be done, and it looked like the Lord had chosen me as the one to do it. So, with sincere apologies to St. Francis and my calling to protect all of God's creatures, I reached over and hastily scooped up the creepy crawler into my palm and tossed it behind me without much care for its well-being. But what's really fascinating about that story is how later at the reception I was talking to the bride and I told her I was so sorry I had to reach over to her body during the service and place my hand upon it. What do you mean, she said, in total bewilderment. She had never noticed. She had absolutely no memory That when she was reciting her vows to her husband, that there was a distraction close, very close at hand. Have you ever been so focused upon an important task that nothing in heaven or creeping up from the earth could distract you? Because trying to do the right thing and live a faithful life before God... Can be difficult. Even when you desire to do what is best and good and the most that you can offer in any situation, others around you will distract you. They'll try to pull you down. You may be filled with disillusionment or disbelief. You may be convinced your contributions are too little to make much of a difference, so why even try? It's easy to waste most of your time giving up. Well, if you know anything about the church at Corinth that Paul is addressing in the first chapter of Corinthians, you would say to yourself, I don't think I would ever want to be a part of that fellowship. There were affairs, sexual promiscuity happening within family structures. Some members of the congregation were taking other members of the congregation to court, suing each other in lawsuits. There was even one occasion when there was a fight at the communion table with some suggesting they didn't get their fair share. If you read this passage in the Pew Bible or in a Bible that has heading descriptions, you'll notice that right after verse 9, the heading says, Divisions in the church. So it's a head-scratcher, this early salutation from Paul to them. You are called saints, he says, bearers of God's good grace, strengthened by mercy to endure to the very end. A high calling that sometimes is very difficult to live up to. Do you know it took almost a 100 years after the Emancipation Proclamation by the Lincoln Administration for a truly uh, transcendent figure like Martin Luther King Jr. to rise up and to grab hold of our nation's conscience, allowing us to think about this struggle for justice and equality and fairness? A struggle that continues even into our own times. If we are praying, when, oh God, will you help us? Then our prayers are deeply legitimate. I ask, as Americans, will we ever rid ourselves of the scourge of racism? Oh, I think we're getting better, maybe inch by inch. But there's so much work yet to do. I'm not sure if it's racism or just American arrogance and greed, but take for example, the Federal Refugee Resettlement Program. It's been in place for over 40 years. Millions of refugees from all over the world are fleeing famine, War, vicious governments, ethnic cleansing, climate kind of change fuel disaster, and genocides. They are forgotten by most in the world. Millions of them living in camps with scarce resources and no place to welcome them. These individuals and families classified as refugees by the United States are by definition legal immigrants. They are doing it the right way as we hear. They are going through the proper channels and they have gone through an extensive vetting process by national and federal and international agencies proving that they are at great risk if they are forced to return home or to their home countries. And they've waited years and years, even decades, surviving on very little in dire overseas camps. It's estimated there are between 150 and 200,000 of these souls with official status from our government waiting to start their lives anew. And how many will be allowed in this fiscal year, 2020, to enter into the United States of America? 18,000. Now, I tried to do some math and I broke my calculator. What is 18,000 divided by our population, roughly 360 million people? I need a better person at math to help me. 5e, negative 05, what does that mean? I think it means something like .0005%. So the question I have, not only for Americans, but for the professed Christians who live in this country is how much room is left over in our heart for the refugees of the world Is there any corner sufficient of space claimed to live and breathe? And especially, especially for a country of professed Christians, how much room is there in your heart for the refugees of the world? What does Jesus call us to do Have not our communities been enriched by those who have endured hardships and those who value the freedoms and opportunities that we, who have won the birth lottery, can take so quickly for granted? And if you still are not swayed for their plight, let me ask another more pressing and difficult question. What Burden, do we in the white community bear of the struggle that still exists in the black communities? Zero? Zero percent? Is that the best you and I have to offer? Has God's love stopped working? Or have we, God's people, stopped loving others as much as we claim Christ has loved us? And I must say, my patience is quite thin, if not to its breaking point. When leaders give lip service to Christianity while promoting policies that make a mockery of every single thing Jesus taught and lived and breathed. Their words are shameful, and their actions betray. This sad lament of history where protection of power overrides compassion for neighbor. I think the faithful sing a different song, don't you? The faithful hear a different message as they march toward this calling of God, that we are called as saints in Christ to extend the mercy of God to the world. And even though we may have internal difficulties and conflicts and struggles, let us not lose sight of this high calling of God's. Let us hear different voices from our treasured past. May we be lifted to new heights, eyes fixed, By remembering these words, a letter from a Birmingham jail in 1963. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. There is an assassin bug crawling up our wedding dress. But we don't have to become distracted by it. We don't have to allow it to ruin the party. This year, I've enjoyed what some have said as a pledge on how they want to be more like Jesus. Here's their list hang out with sinners. Upset religious people. Tell stories that make people think. Choose unpopular friends. Be kind, loving, and merciful. Take naps on boats. And let me add another. Challenge people in power to do the right thing. So let us do our little part, something good for someone other than ourselves and try to do that every single day. Let's give a little bit of money to causes to help relieve the world's sufferings every single week. Let's stop worrying and surrendering to the paralysis it brings. Let's educate ourselves on the critical issues of our day and suspend our distractions and allow God's love to take root and grow in you. We have life and breath and opportunity and far more power than we could ever imagine. And we are called long ago and even today to be saints. Let me read to you another quote, a white Southerner, American writer and Nobel Prize laureate from Oxford, Mississippi. William Faulkner wrote, never be afraid to raise your voice for honesty and truth and compassion against injustice and lying and greed. If people all over the world would do this it would change the earth God is a persistent rescuer ready to offer renewal to all who call upon God's name and we might discover we are not waiting for God God is waiting for us We close our service with this wonderful hymn, Lord Jesus, you shall be my song. Let us stand and sing in response as God leads us and as we stand and sing hymn 737. a people empowered by love, and while we can become troubled and even angry by the distress in our world, let us not forget that love is a bold force, and that may that joy of God's love shine through us, that we may be merciful and kind and compassionate, that it is possible for us in Christ to be filled with the Holy Spirit That we would confront wrongdoing, not because we are angry principally. Disturbed, yes. But not so angry that we destroy the goodness that we seek to infect the world with. No, we are motivated by love. Love for our neighbor and love for our world and love for our God. And so as you think about this incredible challenge that we are faced with every single day. Let us remember how blessed our lives and in comparison, how minuscule our true burdens. And out of that gratitude, may we be compelled in joyful expression of love. Can you do that? Well, I can't. Without your help, your prayers, and our community, let us be strengthened. Even now, by this benediction, from Teresa of Leah, the 16th century Spanish mystic. She writes, "Christ has no body now on earth but yours. No hands." but yours, no feet, but yours. You are the eyes through which to look out Christ's compassion to the world. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. Yours are the hands with which he is able to bless others now. Amen. Thank mm-hmm.